0: Hey there, Druin. Hope you're soaking up that San Francisco sunshine today.
1: Indeed, it's a beautiful day out there and a great way to start the weekend, sunny with highs hitting 60 degrees. Though for those evening plans, might want to grab a jacket as it cools down to the mid 40s with some of that iconic fog rolling in.
0: Perfect weather to relax from all that coating and catch up on the latest news. First up, Netflix is revolutionizing its video processing pipeline. From the monolithic reloaded platform to the microservice-based Cosmos. They're enhancing innovation and streaming
1: service support. I'm Steve Onsker.
0: And I'm Jonathan Martin. And this is The Briefing Room from Pocket Pod News.
1: Then we'll be diving into the challenges startups face when engaging with big companies. It's an intricate dance of patience and strategy to secure partnerships or investments.
0: And in our third story, Midjourney discusses its plan to possibly ban political images, including Biden and Trump, from its AI tools amidst concerns over misuse in the upcoming presidential election. Other tech giants are also stepping up their game against political disinformation. This message is brought to you by BiteSight. Imagine the first bite into a perfectly toasted, golden brown grilled cheese sandwich, the savory aroma of a sizzling steak seasoned to perfection, or the steam rising from a bowl of fragrant ramen, with each noodle coated in a rich and flavorful broth. With BiteSight Delivery, you can dive into full-screen videos of the most mouth-watering dishes from nearby restaurants, making choosing what to eat both easy and exciting. See it. Crave it. Order it with BiteSight, the video-based food delivery app.
1: The tech world is buzzing with news. That's right. Netflix has embarked on a major overhaul of its video processing pipeline, moving to a microservices architecture. This change is aimed at maintaining their pace of innovation and improving the system for both members' streaming and studio operations.
0: To get a deeper understanding of what this means and how it could affect what we watch, PocketPod news technology correspondent Alex
2: Harmon joins us. Alex, can you break down this technical transformation for us? Absolutely, Jonathan. This transition marks a significant leap for Netflix in how it processes videos for its global audience. The Reloaded platform served its purpose well, but began showing its age with issues like coupled functionality, a monolithic structure, and lengthy release cycles. So what exactly made Netflix decide to move away from Reloaded? Well, Jonathan, those limitations were holding back development velocity and innovation. With the evolving demands of streaming services and content quality expectations, Netflix initiated the development of Cosmos in 2018. Cosmos is designed as a microservice-based computing platform aiming to enhance system flexibility and accelerate feature development.
0: Microservices seem to be at the heart of
2: Cosmos. Could you elaborate on how they change things? Certainly. By adopting a microservice architecture, Cosmos breaks down the video processing pipeline into smaller, manageable services. Each service focuses on a specific task, be it video inspection or encoding, allowing for more efficient updates and scalability. Services like the Video Inspection Service, VIS, and Complexity Analysis Service, KS, are examples where tasks are now handled by specialized teams. And how does this restructuring affect their workflow? It introduces a level of precision in their operations that wasn't possible before. By defining clear service boundaries and focusing on domain-specific microservices such as Ladder Generation Service, LGS, or Video Quality Service, VQS, Netflix can tailor workflows much more effectively to different needs like streaming or studio operations. Speaking of workflows, could you touch on how service orchestration has evolved with Cosmos? Of course, with different business needs in mind, namely member streaming and studio operations, Netflix crafted distinct workflow orchestrators to manage these microservices efficiently, This means that whether it's delivering content to ES viewers or processing raw studio footage, each process is optimized for its specific requirements using various combinations of these new video services. It sounds like a tremendous undertaking with significant benefits for Netflix and its users alike. Absolutely, Jonathan. The move towards Cosmos signifies Netflix's commitment to remaining at the forefront of digital streaming technology. It's not just about enhancing operational efficiency, it's also about ensuring they can continue delivering high-quality content in an increasingly competitive market. Before we wrap up, any final thoughts on what this might mean for viewers around the globe? Well viewers can expect continued improvements in video quality and possibly even new features that weren't feasible under the old platform. As Netflix continues refining Cosmos, we might also see quicker adaptation to emerging technologies and formats, a win-win for both Netflix and its audience worldwide. Thanks for bringing us up to speed on this transformative development from Netflix. My pleasure, Jonathan. I'll be sure to keep you posted on any further developments in this space.
0: There's a theory about big companies you might find fascinating.
1: Yes, it's called the Moby Dick Theory of Big Companies. It likens startups dealing with large corporations to Captain Ahab's pursuit of the elusive white whale.
0: To help us dive deeper into this, we're bringing in Mark Andreessen, co-founder and general partner at the venture capital firm Andreessen Horowitz. Mark, can you share with us the essence of this theory?
3: Well, Mark, navigating the waters of big company engagements can indeed be likened to Captain Ahab's pursuit of Moby Dick. It's fraught with unpredictability and complex decision-making processes. Let's start with the unpredictability of big companies. What makes them so hard to predict for startups? Uh, big companies operate within intricate uh, internal ecosystems, uh, influenced by a variety of stakeholders and external pressures, Uh Uh, their decision-making processes are often opaque, involving multiple layers of approval and influenced by factors that can seem arbitrary from the outside.
0: And in terms of risks and rewards, what should startups be aware of when dealing with these behemoths?
3: Uh, There's a fine line between seizing um, transformative opportunity and being led astray. While successful deals can provide startups with invaluable resources and market access, uh, there's always the risk of distraction or even derailment from core objectives. Uh, The key is balancing ambition with with caution.
0: That sounds like a delicate balance indeed. Could you dive deeper into the complexities of these decision-making processes
3: within big companies? Absolutely, Jonathan. Decision-making in large corporations involves consensus among diverse groups with potentially conflicting interests. Politics, trade-offs, and internal rivalries all play a role. For startups trying to engage these entities, uh, understanding this complexity is crucial yet challenging.
0: And how about the challenges specific to deal-making? What pitfalls should startups watch out for?
3: Startups need to be wary of becoming overly dependent on any single deal with a big company. Such dependencies can lead to compromises that might not align with long-term strategic goals. Uh, It's crucial for startups to maintain their agility and independence even while pursuing these deals. Patience seems like it would be an important virtue in negotiations as well. Indeed, Jonathan. uh, Negotiations with large corporations can drag on significantly longer than anticipated due to their complex approval processes. Startups must be prepared for this extended timeline and manage their resources accordingly. Mark, considering all these factors, what final advice would you give
0: to startups navigating these treacherous waters? Uh,
3: Startups should approach engagements with big companies as strategic maneuvers rather than survival tactics. In a sense, uh, you know, understanding the intricate dynamics at play within these organizations can help in making informed decisions about when and how to engage for mutual benefit. Thanks for bringing us such insightful analysis on this complex topic, Mark. Uh, uh, My pleasure, Jonathan. Navigating relationships with big companies will always be challenging for startups, but understanding the landscape can certainly help in charting a more successful course.
0: In today's digital age, creating fake images and videos has never been easier.
1: And with the upcoming U.S. presidential election, there's a growing concern about the role these AI-generated deepfakes might play in spreading political misinformation.
0: To understand more about this issue and what companies are doing to combat it, we're joined by PocketPod News political correspondent Don Gallup. Don, how are companies like MidJourney and Meta responding to the challenge?
4: It's quite a pivotal moment for MidJourney, as CEO David Holtz has voiced concerns over the potential misuse of their platform for generating political images that could spread misinformation during the U.S. presidential election. The company is considering a ban on such content to safeguard against the dissemination of fake images, a move that underscores the broader struggle within tech against AI-facilitated disinformation.
0: It sounds like they've had some significant issues in the past with deepfakes and altered images. Can you elaborate on those incidents and how
4: they're shaping this decision? Sure. Midjourney previously encountered problems when users manipulated its AI to create deepfake visuals of high-profile events, such as Trump getting arrested. These incidents went viral and raised serious concerns about the ease with which AI can be used to create convincing yet wholly fabricated visuals. In response, MidJourney ended free trials for its AI image generator, signaling a shift towards stricter controls over its technology's use.
0: With existing rules against misleading portrayals of public figures and events, why do you think MidJourney feels a more comprehensive
4: ban is necessary? The existing rules were certainly a step in the right direction, aiming to curb the creation of content with the potential to mislead. However, given the escalating stakes around elections and political discourse, it seems Midjourney believes these measures may not be sufficient to prevent misuse entirely. By considering a ban on all political images, they're looking to eliminate any gray areas that could be exploited for spreading misinformation.
0: How does this align with what other tech companies are doing? Are we seeing similar moves elsewhere?
4: Yes, we're observing a broader trend across the tech industry aimed at combating disinformation. For instance, ChatGPT is tagging images created using dall E3 to make it clear when content has been AI-generated. Meanwhile, Meta is developing technology capable of detecting whether an image, video, or audio clip was produced by AI tools. These efforts reflect an increasing recognition of the responsibility tech companies have in ensuring their platforms do not become conduits for misinformation.
0: With these technological advancements and ethical considerations in mind, what implications might these moves have for freedom of expression and creativity online?
4: That's a great question. On one hand, these measures are critical in preventing the spread of misinformation and protecting democratic processes. Yet on the other hand, there's an ongoing debate about how such restrictions might curb creative expression or limit legitimate uses of AI in political discourse and satire. Finding a balance between safeguarding against misuse while not stifling innovation or freedom is a nuanced challenge that tech companies continue to navigate.
0: It seems like we're at a crossroads between innovation and responsibility in digital spaces. Thanks for providing such comprehensive insights today, Don.
4: My pleasure, Jonathan. Navigating these challenges will certainly require ongoing attention from both tech companies and policymakers alike. I'll keep you updated on any further developments in this evolving story.
0: And that's the briefing room for Saturday, February 10th, 2024. I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. <laughs> Thank you for listening, Sharti Druin. We hope you have a good day and we will see you tomorrow. This podcast was created by PocketPod entirely with AI. If you'd like to learn more, head over to pocketpod.app.